Hi, I'm Luke Heisler. And I'm Jay Cox. Welcome to this week's episode of Audibility Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the importance of community in life and to explore different ideas and topics within culture with our new friends, you guys. This week, we begin our coffee conversation with Ryan Hall, Director of Operations at Due South Coffee Roasters in Greenville, South Carolina. We discuss the science and art of the coffee process and the different factors that go into quality coffee. We talk about our favorite brew methods, why coffee tastes the way it does, and the nuances of single origin coffee, from the farm, to the roaster, to the cup. Since we talk about the importance of cultivation of single origin coffees in this episode, we thought we would share some of the background of one of our favorites from Due South. Sumapas is a community lot from smallholders in Sumapas and eastern provinces of the department of Cundinamarca. This coffee is grown in the Paramo de Sumapas, a high, hilly, temperate grassland biome and a protected Colombian national reserve since 1977. Many coffee farming families deeply devoted to the cultivation of quality coffee live in Sumapas, where fertile soil, ideal climate conditions, and regular misty cloud cover make coffee production thrive. So grab yourself Due South's Colombia Sumapas Roast, a washed processed coffee grown at 1700 meters in Cundinamarca, Colombia, with notes of sugarcane, apple, and molasses. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hey, Luke. Hey, Jay. Welcome to Audibility. Welcome. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's it's a little weird being on the internet. for. Uh, this is the first time we've done an internet sort of thing, or the first episode that's coming out that we're doing an internet thing. Um, so it's a little strange. Certainly, yeah. It is, it is odd. Um, more technical difficulties. Yeah. There's, there's many more variables, but hey, it's a cool little cool thing but um who do we have on the podcast what are we what are we going to be talking about who do we have on today we're talking we're starting our conversation our coffee conversation today Mm. we're starting that with ryan hall from due south coffee over in greenville yes uh so ryan i guess take it away (laughs) yes Uh, yeah so I just start from here, right? And then I just, I just talk for the next hour. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're actually going to be completely silent and just let yeah, you just, yeah. just ramble. Yeah, yeah. not, not yeah. awkward at all. No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, good to be here. Um, I am uh, big fans of you guys and uh, love to see you guys and, and actually miss you guys, you know, during these times, uh, being able to chat with you at the coffee shop. So uh, this is a pleasure to, you know, be able to actually have a conversation with you. Yeah. And for, for those of you that I kind of have been following for a little bit back before spring break, which is an eternity ago, we actually were kind of promoting uh, a quarters party we were going to do with Ryan. Uh, Uh, I I actually bring it. It's it. It makes me sad. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I (laughs) I went over um, I, when we were before we were talking about this. I, I went over and saw some of the flyers still up, and it was like, oh, <laughs> I know, man, it's such a bummer. It was there was so much excitement around it, and 
uh, energy and we were, we were looking forward to that, um, going well and, and just celebrating the, those mm. new, new beverages for that season. But as we all know, spring, uh, didn't happen in 2020 is, <laughs> is, is yeah, the we, word. Apparently the word is that. Yeah. Kind of yeah. fell flat. Yeah. It got, it yeah. got canceled. Yeah. yeah. That's Unfortunately. right. Spring got yeah. canceled. But now we found, we found a way to get you on. So this is, this will be fun. Yes. Yeah. This is the I'm next best excited. thing for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And Luke, I think you had like a little intro of some sort you were going to Yeah. Do. I have a fun fact actually. Did you know, both of you, that more coffee is bought per day than babies are born every single year? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah. It's not true. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. But it is, coffee is, and I think you both know this, one of the world's most traded commodities. Yes. 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 So uh, lots of people drink it all over the world. As many people know, America runs on, unfortunately, Dunkin' Donuts, yep. um, yeah. which is blasphemy for me to say. I, it's I'm not that bad. I, I enjoy I enjoy uh, Dunkin' with my parents as a ritual. Mm-hmm. That's It's their mm-hmm. thing. And so if they're in town, you know, the, the older generation, and I'm sure as we get older, we'll get stuck in our ways with, with specific things, but that older yeah. generation likes to to be on a specific style of coffee that maybe none of us really enjoy, but, um, yeah. but when the, the parents come in town, that's, that's what they drink. And so, um, I do love the ritual of drinking coffee with people so much to, to mm. say that I will compromise quality Sacrifice. <laughs> to, to, yeah, to yeah. enjoy, enjoy that ritual with my parents. Mm. So, that, and that happens to be Duncan. So yeah. there's this little special place in my heart for Duncan. Yeah. Maybe and, one, maybe one day the, our, our kids will be looking back at uh, us drinking like counterculture and that's right. Yeah. And you, union and be like, wow, they, they drank just lame stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. They do have good bagels. I'll give them that. Sure. Their, their bagels are yeah. pretty good. So yeah. uh, Ryan, tell us a little more about do South and kind of what yes. you do there and what you guys are all about. Yeah. So um, I am the, the director of operations uh, mm. for Due South Coffee, and I stepped on in 2017, March of 2017. I'll sort of uh, touch on the history of Due South a little bit. Um, it's, a, it's a little weird telling the history for something I wasn't a part of uh, because, um, I don't know, it's just it, there's a disconnect there in a lot yeah. of ways. But um, what I've gathered through, you know, um, other people's stories about what was going on there. I can, that's, that's how I can be able to tell this, but, you know, we, we started in 2013, uh, and it was started by Ricardo Pereira and Patrick McInerney. Um, Mm. one is a, uh, a BJU alumni and the other, so Ricardo is the BJU alumni and then Ricardo is a local, uh, he grew up here, went to school here. Uh, he did a little bit of time in New York city, but is back. Uh, and, uh, so the idea was that, uh, these two individuals, uh, the owners, they're still owners. Uh, they, uh, saw an opportunity in the upstate to, um, open up a specialty coffee sort of, uh, roaster cafe model. So having your roastery in the same building as your Mm -hmm. coffee shop, um, and, they, uh, like I said, they saw that opportunity and they, uh, 
put it together. Uh, the, the story goes that they kind of designed the layout on a, a beverage napkin or something like, kind of like <laughs> sort of like humble beginnings. And, and this was in Taylor's South Carolina. So not even mm-hmm. specifically in Greenville. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they got started and it went really well and they, they set the standard for the upstate, uh, in regards to, um, this next sort of, uh, sort of, uh, step in increasing the coffee experience, the quality of coffee, as well as the sort of cafe experience that you can Mm. have in, in the area in the county, I guess, Greenville County, you could say. So, yeah. uh, there was nothing really going on there. So, I mean, that's where everyone was sort of flocking to. And, um, we would, we would like to say that we were sort of that catalyst that sort of broke off into what's become a very blossoming, uh, specialty coffee scene in the upstate mm-hmm. oh, yeah. of, of South Carolina. So this is back in 2013. Um, like I said, I stepped on in 2017. Like any small business, um, there are going to be challenges that uh, that sort of happen over time. And uh, the the uh, two owners, Ricardo uh, and Patrick, I guess I should mention, uh, Ricardo would be the side of things uh, that would be the coffee uh, expertise, the coffee experience. Uh, he has a, a, a very impressive background in um uh, the green buying side of coffee, the trade, the coffee trading side of things. He's actually okay. the, the COO of Ally Coffee Importers. Oh, wow. Um, yes, uh, he is. Yeah. And which is as great is because it's he's local as well. So Ally Coffee Importers, their headquarters uh, for their specialty coffee department is uh, here local in Greenville. Oh, I did uh, not know that. Yeah, they have a beautiful facility that also they they put a large emphasis on education uh, in coffee. So they they have roasting classes, they have barista classes, they have uh, they offer Q grading classes, which is like a, a uh, think of like a sommelier or a sommelier um, uh, of wine, the professional wine tasters. Oh, There's wow. like a, an actual coursework and all this very in depth sort of. Uh, process in these tests uh, in order to be able to consider someone who's a sommelier uh, that the coffee version of that um, would be considered Q. It's a Q grade, a Q grader, uh, someone who can professionally taste coffee. Um, Mm. And they offer those classes there as well. And that's, that's off of Rutherford road in Greenville. Um, Um, Are are they, is that connected to the specialty coffee association in any way, or is that kind of an independent thing that ally does themselves? It's their own. It's their own thing. Um, they do have a uh, an amazing um, sort of network of people and resources just through the, the whole team's experience um, of just being in the industry for um, a long time, uh, where they know people from the SEA. So there's there's some crossover and there's some cross pollinate uh, pollination uh, with with the SEA, um, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ally for sure is, is they're doing their own thing. They have their own education department. Uh, Ildi Revy is actually their uh, head of education and she is brilliant and an amazing coffee professional uh, who um, really her focus has always been on the educational side of things. Uh, believe it or not, when I, when I uh, was getting first started and, and looking uh, on what 
to do next as a barista. And that, that was my sort of beginnings was a barista was that I found out that the SEA had a barista guild, uh, barista certifications. Um, I went through that process and got that first certification and Ildi was the one who handed me my, uh, my written test that I had to, to fill out. And she was the proctor mm. for that specific test. Um, but so she's been around for, for uh, a good amount of time and, and has a significant amount of experience. And she's on that ally team there, uh, as the head of education and she puts together the curriculums and, and all the coursework and all that stuff. So, uh, awesome. they got an impressive operation going on, but yeah, Ricardo is the, the, um, the chief operating officer, uh, for, for them. Uh, and he oh, is right. also the, uh, co-owner of new South. Uh, so he's, yeah. So like I said, he's the coffee side of things. And then Patrick would be the branding marketing ad stuff, uh, that, uh, we do. That's his, uh, background, uh, in his work. He did a, a good amount of that, uh, stuff in New York city, spent a long, uh, a long time there doing that. And, uh, I don't, I don't know the story of why he moved back, but he's, he, he moved back and, and saw opportunity. And so those two people joined forces to, to create New South. Mm, wow. So, so, uh, going kind of back to, you know, you know, small business and, and time happening, uh, they, you know, they're both ro- working full-time jobs as well as trying to keep, uh, do South going and, uh, it just wasn't a sustainable setup uh, at that time uh, to not have anyone operate. They essentially were trying to operate it while doing a full-time job. And so that's where I come in. That's where I come in where uh, they, you know, my prior to being in Greenville, I was, I was in Miami working for a, a well-known coffee roasting company. They're called Panther coffee. Uh, and that's uh, where I have actually a significant amount of my, um, my experience and, and what I've learned, uh, as being coffee professional is from that company. Uh, I did the majority of work I did was in account managing. So I was on the wholesale side of things. I was the one going and setting up, uh, people who are interested in using our, our coffee in various different platforms and applications, maybe, uh, uh, a new coffee shop in the area, or literally it could be a hotel. So I, I could, I was in like mm-hmm. these high rise hotels in Miami, like in the back, hallways of of that setting up equipment and uh putting together recipes and training the staff on how to to use the equipment and how to make good coffee and so i have uh let's just say thousands of hours of of training people on coffee uh (laughs) just just through that that job that i uh had uh and and started in 2012 so you know Mm -hmm. Sort of fast forwarding, I was looking to, my wife and I were looking to move from Miami into the Carolinas. We were shopping around the Carolinas. And one of the first people I called uh, was um, Ricardo, because Ricardo also was uh, the head judge of the Brewers' Cup. And uh, so this it's this competition uh, where you brew, brew coffee manually in front of three judges. And he was the head judge of the whole thing for the nation. And so he was at all the competitions. I competed uh, in a couple of those and had some little success, never really placed, but like would always position myself well. Um, But um, that's how I met Ricardo. And so just through that networking, 
gave him a call when we were looking around uh, and he said, yeah, I think I might have work for you. We need someone to operate our roastery. Um, and uh, yeah, the rest is history from that point. So that was 2017 that I stepped on. And uh, since then, uh, actually, uh, as of like two or three weeks ago, I uh, became partner in the, in the hey, so cool, cool. A little Congrats. thing to, to yeah, celebrate. Um, yeah, super exciting. Um, we got a lot of stuff coming up that uh, we're excited about. But yeah, um, that was yeah two three weeks ago. So that's kind of the history of Do South where we're at now. Um, at one point they started. At another point they needed uh, leadership, ground level leadership. They need someone to operate. Uh, I stepped in, uh, cleaned some stuff up, tried to build a team, get them together, get things sort of get a vision for the company and all that stuff put together, uh, mm. get a little bit more organized. Um, it's just like, um, what is it called? Uh, growing pains for a small business. Um, yeah. Yeah. If it, uh, if that makes sense, but, uh, yeah. Kind of move into some, some more questions. These are kind of some fun, more fun questions. You want to start with what, this is for all of us, I guess. Uh, what brew method do you use at home? Sure. Um, so right now I use the Bonavita eight cup brewer. It's a, uh, just a coffee pot, but it's one that's, it's, um, got some things, um, that are specific about it to make sure that, you know, it's not just like an average, just pot of coffee, right? Like a, co- a yeah. coffee mate, Mr. Coffee. What are those brands that everyone has? Um, yeah. You know, so the Bonavita eight cup, it, it, it essentially is doing that, but it has a shower head. So it like a sort of even application of water over the bed of coffee. Um, it's got, uh, a much more stable, um, way of adding, uh, a specific temperature of water. So like that water that is hitting that coffee is staying at a consistent temperature rather than fluctuating. That's a lot. A lot of people don't realize that those, the, what makes those brewers pour um, and just kind of make, makes an average cup of coffee is going to be that inconsistency of application of the, like the specific temperature of water over time. Yeah. As well as that, like if you ever looked at like a Mr. Coffee, the, the thing that adds the water is like this little arm that just sort of like spits water out inconsistently and randomly um yeah. so if you just imagine literally a shower shower head like in your shower uh hovering over that bed of coffee um it's just adding that nice even application of water over the tops uh just so you're essentially starting your coffee at the same time and finishing it at the same time in regards to restri- uh, extraction so but yeah i mean i don't I, I, you know, I tried, I tried to do manual methods at home and, and the, you know, get up and, um, go through that ritual of, you know, uh, bringing out the, the different brewer and the filter and putting it together, preheating your kettle and preheating your brewer and stuff like that. And I just couldn't consistently stay with it. Uh, and Mm -hmm. then when you have a, you know, you have a family who also wants coffee, Uh, then, I mean, the last thing, like I work at a coffee shop. I don't know if you guys know this. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so that's, that's what I do for a living. So when I wake up, when I wake up 
uh, in the morning, I don't want to start right away with like a coffee yeah. shop vibe, you know, I want to, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I yeah. want to, I want to get up. I want to enjoy the, the little amount of time that I have with my family in the morning before we all have to go our separate ways, uh, mm. and make a, and make a living. Um, and, uh, and not sort of focus on the craft. Be, be coffee uh, man. The, the beauty, the, the Instagrammable moments of coffee. If <laughs> yeah. You know. so, yeah. Um, and, well, the, and the thing is, is with those brewers is it's that the other th- side of it is that it makes uh, equally as, as uh, quality, uh, the end product, yeah. mm-hmm. the end product. If you know what you're doing, if you understand how coffee and water interacts, then you, um, can achieve the same thing with more convenience. So, uh huh, yeah, for sure. Well, Jay and I both use just a Kalita Wave. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I bought uh, recently a Hario V60 to kind of test yeah. out how they're different. Uh, what have which, you found? I don't know. It's I, I I haven't had it long enough to kind of uh uh. I actually ran out of filters because I only bought a few. Yeah, um, it's always a bummer. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't had it long enough to kind of experiment and and see the the exact differences, but I think the Hario so far is definitely cleaner um okay. than the than the uh Kalita. Okay. Um but I that also kind of comes with the the less full body um cuz I sure. think I don't know. And it also yeah, it, it brews very differently cuz the Kalita has three holes in the bottom and is the flatbed. But then mm-hmm. the, the V60 is just the cone filters and it has the the one drip point from the bottom um, yes. and the hole and the kind of brewer itself. So, yeah, large, the larger hole. Um, yeah, the, the Hario's definitely brew faster than the Kalita's, sure. I think. So well, to... well let me let me ask both of you. Uh, you both are doing the Kalita wave. Let's just say that you're both doing pour overs in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um why? Um, I don't know. I I personally do like uh I've been using a pour over for the past, I think year and a half, maybe, mm-hmm. um, just consistently almost every morning. Um, and I, I just like the, uh, the time to kind of take aside from my day and just start my day, like slowly yeah. and kind of methodically, um, making that coffee. And, mm-hmm. uh, also like I, at school, I'll use it to check my emails before I head to class and, and just stuff like that. Use it as kind of a downtime before I start my day. So that's why yeah. I do that. Yeah, I, I really I really do the pour over because Luke has introduced me to it. So it's mm-hmm. really like kind of I'm still the the mere prodigy and, or not prodigy, uh, Padawan. That's what I was looking for. Um, sure. Yes. In in the coffee game, so it's like Luke has a Kalita. Uh, I'll get a Kalita too. That sounds yeah. that sounds safe. Yeah, you you just got one, right? <laughs> yeah, I got it probably two-ish weeks ago i had like a you've seen it luke it's like a it's almost like a chemex but it's like tiny and just terrible like it it just was bad it had like a little metal mesh filter on the top of it and it was just terrible so i just broke down and bought one (laughs) yeah uh ryan i'm curious what are your thoughts on the chemex yeah um it's a a beautifully designed uh piece um, that can make delicious coffee. Um, it's, it can, it can make a, a larger amount, uh, of coffee. So like, if you are like, if you're in a situation in which you live with, uh, 
more than just yourself at, at a place, then you can you can throw more in there uh, and get a, a larger yield that you can share with people. So I like sharing. So like that's a great mm. um, benefit of using that is that you can make some to share with someone uh, and you can both experience. I, I do love, there's nothing better than sharing a brewed, like a coffee that's been brewed uh, yeah. together. Like, uh, and you're both, you're both sort of uh, taking in this experience of this one specific coffee. And, and there's so many variables you learn in coffee that a lot of, t- a lot of times, you know, the, what, what you're brewing, especially with the manual method is, its own unique experience that can never be replicated. Um, if you really mm-hmm. get down to what's actually happening there. Um, so mm-hmm. if you're sharing that with someone, then uh, you're able to, to chat about what's in that cup of coffee. And it's this very special moment that you can have some, with someone. Um, so, but yeah, so Chemex can create that moment. Uh, it can be problematic uh, if you don't, know how to use it properly uh the way it's designed as far as the filter and how it sits in that top portion there that creates the cone for you to be able to brew in yeah if if you're not paying attention to it uh um the filter and how it's sitting it can seal completely around in a way that creates a vacuum that chokes uh it's basically it slows down the flow rate of the water passing through that bed of coffee uh so you there's actually that little vent, uh, but it's actually that's pour, that yeah, pour yeah. groove or that pour spout that's there, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. You want to always make sure that before you get going on that, that that is actually uh, breathing, that there's actually air. Uh, you can kind of see that it, you know, there's a hole there that, uh, so that, you know, it's like, think of like if you were to uh, take a gallon of water and pour it out like it kind of would chug like right yeah but if you Uh poked a hole if you poked a hole in the top of that while it was pouring it would just free flow through consistently Uh you ever you ever experienced that with like something similar like that yeah yeah so that that's the that's the whole concept there is you want to make sure that that hole through that pour uh pour spout of that chemix is uh, air is flowing through it in order for it to allow that water to evenly sort of consistently pass through that bed of coffee. Uh, so that's just, there's like, there's like any, but it's like any, um, any other method they have, there's little challenges and things that you roadblocks or, uh, things that are finicky about it that you need to be aware of in order to, to, to pull it off. So, yeah, yeah. That's why I don't personally love it. Cause it is kind of finicky. Um, and, uh, you know, like the, how it's, uh, basically just a, a paper circle, the filter, and then you fold it and it has the, yes. uh, the thicker side. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's kind of odd. Yeah. That, I mean, that could be something too. It's, it's weird that one side of it is thicker than the other, because that means that is it flowing through one side or the other, you know, yeah. there's all, there's all those things for sure. Uh, did you know though, that it's, uh, showcased in the MoMA in New York city? Oh, really? in the design section of the MoMA, it'll always be there uh, as wow. considered like a beautiful modern design. It was, I, I, I want to say that it was in, designed in the fifties. I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I was going to say that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's a fifties ish design that uh, yeah, sits in the MoMA today uh, as a, a beautiful that. art piece. So. Hmm. 
it has certainly stood the test of time. I think it, 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 like you said, it's beautiful. Like just the way it looks. Um, yeah, I like to use it for iced coffee just cause it makes more and you know, it's hard to do the, the one cup, uh, yeah. with iced coffee. Yeah. Um, or, or, I didn't know you had a Chemex. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't use yeah. it that much, but you could use it as a flower vase. Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, well actually one thing, I so I mentioned I'm a mere Padawan, yeah. Um, and I think so. I'm I'm more of a representative of the general population of people. Um, yeah. So one thing that me and Luke and many people love about Do South is the the coffee. Yeah, I mean obviously, I would but hope like so. specifically the yeah <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, but specifically like the the single origin uh, coffee. So for people that. I know now that Luke has taught me such things, but what is single origin coffee? Yeah. Uh, so it's referencing um, the uh, place in which the coffee was sourced from farm, the farm Yeah, uh, is yeah. kind of the simplest way to put it. Cause it can kind of break down into, um, you know, you have a, a farm, you have a, a micro lot. So like a specific portion of that farm you would be sourcing from, or like even nano lots, small little experimental lots and stuff like that. But the biggest Mm -hmm. broadest term is single origin. And what it's uh, referencing is that it's been sourced from somewhere um, in a coffee producing country. And we are able to trace where that location is. Um, It's sort of uh, a nod towards traceability. Um, it's like a language mm-hmm. used to say, Hey, we are sourcing things in a way in which, uh, uh, in an ethical way, I guess would be a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's a term that's, uh, maybe only been popular for, I want to say the last 20 years. Um, and, and it was, it's almost like, you know, like, have you ever seen a bag of coffee at a grocery store that says 100% Arabica? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's, um, essentially it's almost irrelevant to even mention that now it's like arbitrary to say it's 100% Arabica, like just because it's so understood now, it doesn't need to be there. Um, but at one point prior to that, you know, you had the two different species of coffee, the Robusta and the Arabica coffee and Arabica is considered a higher quality, higher scoring coffee, uh, mm-hmm. that puts it into the specialty realm. Um, it, uh, as opposed to the commodity realm, uh, which would be a majority of it is Robusta. Uh, and so it was people trying to say, hey, our coffee is uh, a higher quality coffee, um, whether that be huh. through marketing or justif- justification of the price point. Um, it's not, like, so it's, it's this language that's being used to communicate um, the sourcing strategies of a roasting company. Uh, is kind of, I think, yeah. the history of that term as well. Um, but mm. single origin, what it means is, yeah, it came from um, a farm. Um, mm. And we know where that farm is. And we're, and so like the single origin lineup for us would be that we have a coffee, coffees from um, a co-op in Brazil, a farm in Brazil, um, that is um, close to us. We have a coffee from Guatemala that's uh, from a specific co- uh, co-op there called Seba. Uh, we have uh, coffee from 
a farm called Suma Paws. Um, so, mm, so we love, we love the Suma Paws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's actually, that's a co-op as well, but even those coffees are considered uh, single origin coffees. Mm. Um, it's from a destination. It's, it's, it seems very like when you explain it very simple and generic and, and vague, like, but um, like I said, it's a big broad term that when you start breaking it down, it can become uh, micro lots, special lots, experimental lots. Um, but also it could be co-ops, you know, lo- most, most coffees from Ethiopia are essentially co-ops. They're mixed shareholders, uh, mm. uh, because coffee in those regions where coffee grows, the, uh, the, the individuals there that it grows in their backyard. Uh, and so what they do yeah. is they, if they have, uh, coffee, plants in their backyard, then it's a uh, source of income for them. Yeah. And so you, you pick up the fruit when it, it's ripe and you bring it to a town's uh, uh, washing station or the wet mill. And yeah, yeah. that from there, it's then processed um, and that they'll get paid for the cherries that they have in their backyard. Uh, but that's, that's classically mm. what's happening in, um, Ethiopia there. So that would be a single origin type thing. It would generally be like, uh, referencing, um, a region. So like Yirgacheff, um, or Sadamo, these are different regions in Ethiopia, uh, that would be referenced as this is where this is from. And this is why you're getting the profile, uh, that you're getting in this cup of coffee. Yeah. So like where, I know it's sim- similar to like wine and that kind of thing, but why does coffee taste different from different places? Like what, what is that? It's, it's literally everything. Uh, it's, <laughs> which is mind blowing. I mean, you could start with the soil itself. Um, mm-hmm. the, there, there's the term, I don't know if you've heard terroir, um, which is, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, that's a wine term as well as referencing the, I think I uh, imagine loosely what it's translated translating as is ter- the terrain, uh, which um, yeah. is referencing that these flavors that you are tasting um, a large part of what you're experiencing is, is because it's from that, this specific area and it's the makeup of the soil content and, and what's in it that mm. contributes to what you are experiencing. But I mean, that's really only the start um, for coffee, um, because there's so many other decisions that can be made, uh, that will affect the, the way that that coffee tastes. Um, so you have, um, I mean, it could be a producer, um, and how, how well they manage their farm, uh, in regards to picking the fruit. Um, Hmm. Uh, so you have coffee, it's a fruit, right? Uh, yeah. so first yeah. and foremost, you have the fruit and the, and the seeds inside and, and what you're, we're ultimately trying to get to is that seed. Um, so the, the producer could either coach and lead their team into picking, uh, the fruit only when it's at its maximum ripeness, like ideal ripeness, just like any fruit, you know? Uh, you don't want to mm-hmm. pull it too early. You don't want to pull it too late. 
Yeah. Um, and so there has, if the producer is educating the farmers on what that is and, and what that standard is, it could be as, as, um, specific as giving the farmers a, a card that has a color on it. And it's when this fruit is this color, that's when you pick it. And so they have to color match the fruit in order huh. to, to know when to pick it. And then that creates consistency within every fruit they're picking. Cause when you look at a coffee tree, when it, when it yields fruit, it's not, um, it's uh, uh, unfortunately the fruit that's on there is not all ripe at the same time. There's not this process in which they're all ripening. So you have a mix of um, underripe and ripe. So it's not as easy as taking that branch and just sort of stripping it into a basket. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there are farms that yeah. do that. And so that, if you have a producer that's leading the team of farmers into selective, what would be described as selective picking, um, that uh, versus someone who's just strip picking a branch uh, yeah. into a basket with various different amounts of ripeness of fruit in there, that is going to significantly change the the flavor of that coffee. Um, the the ones that are selective picking are the. It's insane how how much better that cup of coffee will be, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, um, that's work. That's, that's passion. That's someone who believe it or not is a producer, uh, in a coffee producing, a coffee producing, fa- uh, sorry, country that won't even necessarily see the end result, uh, at, at basically the cup of coffee. They won't ever see that cup of coffee because it lands in the United ah. States and they're never coming over, but they, they're making decisions that they know are going to make that cup of coffee good. So, I mean, if we're talking about, if we're talking about sourcing coffee, um, I mean, we're not sourcing coffee as so much. We're, we're actually trying to source uh, good producers, Uh, people who like us are Mm. committed to excellence and committed to um, making a good cup of coffee. Uh, And so believe it, believe it or not, there are producers out there uh, that, that are on, on that, um, mindset, they have that mindset and they, that's what they want to achieve. Even, even though they're not going to ever see that cup of coffee necessarily. Can you Hello? hear me? Jay? Can you hear me? Jay there. I, I can't hear you. Um, I can see your mouth moving. Your 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 video is connected. Your audio is cut out. I can't hear you. Jay, you there? Okay. Well, Jay. Um. Jay. 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 Oh, you're typing. You can't hear me. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. I still can't hear him. Uh, sorry guys. This uh this online recording is pretty pretty tricky. Very technical. Um. We'll get it in a second. Jay, you there? Jay. So I can't really hear um, so Luke, so I'm just going to take over. Um, so basically, this episode, with Ryan, um, when we listened back to it, it was pretty long. So, pretty, pretty long, so we, we just decided, decided to, to kind of break it up into two different parts. In the middle of it. Um, so, so y'all go, go fill up your maybe coffee, get a refill, maybe a kick break. back for a while, um, take a little break. Um, audio, and then we'll see you after the break, I guess. So, Jay? Oh. Oh, hey. I hear you. Oh, hey. I'm sure it was fine. Yeah. Yeah.
how do y'all um this this is a very specific question but with um the people that you're getting um your producers how, how do y'all I know you have that connection with Ally, yeah. But how do y'all kind of get connected with them, and especially like when you come out with a new coffee, um, or new new roast or whatever? Yeah. Um. So there's a couple different. There's a, a a few ways to do it. You know. Um. There there is the trend of um, this desire for for coffee roasting companies to uh, be able to market a coffee as direct trade, um, that they, that they Mm. went there themselves and sourced it. And that's, that is a great way to do it. But, um, oftentimes there'll be uh, smaller roasting companies that'll bend, bend backwards basically to do this. And they don't even really necessarily have the proper resources or even experience to pull something off like that. Mm, Um, and so it's a learning lesson for them, but you know, let's, let's talk about the fact that, uh, one of our owners is the, is running the operations for a coffee importing company. Uh, Ricardo, he is the one that goes to the coffee producing countries. He visits the farms, he shakes hands with people, introduces himself and, and says, you know, let me see your work. Let's see what's going on. Maybe this will be a good fit and sources the coffee. He, he is essentially the green buyer for ally he's going Mm. there uh to create those relationships um which is this um very coveted position in uh, the coffee industry to be the one who's venturing out into the coffee farms and uh interacting with the the farmers and and helping them in their process of increasing the quality of their coffee that's literally what he does and so for us, there's no there's no other reason than to source all our coffees from Ally. Um, the other side of it is because we are small, um, we don't have the resources, we don't have a team, um, we're not there yet. We we I believe we can get there over time, but there's there's things yeah. we need to accomplish first in order to to be able to have a team where one of those individuals is going out and sourcing coffees for us. Uh, under the name Do South, but yeah, so there are opportunities though. Um, over time, like like I said, you know, Do South Coffee, we have a good amount of experience um, in the um, in the in being coffee professionals and being in this industry. Um, you know, I I have been uh, to coffee farms and I've had I've uh, interacted and developed relationships with uh, producers. Um, not a significant amount, but I I do know some. Um, and we've, we've bought coffee from them in the past. Um, you know, but it, the other side of it is that, um, it's, there's this long-term process of let's, let's look at it this way. Um, ally coffee can introduce you to, uh, coffee farms. They can say, here you go. So-and-so this is, um, producer from Nicaragua and their coffee is excellent. Um, you should source this coffee. Let me know what you think about this coffee. And then they agree. I mean, over time there is then this opportunity, if you like the coffee to, to visit that farm, to, to interact with them and, um, buy directly from them. But we're talking about like five to 10 year, um, process of these relationships 
uh, making sense and committing to these relationships. Um, yeah, yeah. And but but then there's just bizarre other things that like, for instance, like this producer I know from Nicaragua, um, they just went through like insane political unrest in that area. And so co- their coffee operations and severely suffered because they're just having to deal with their their country going through ter- turmoil. Um, and so then things come to a halt and you're not even really able to acquire coffee from them because they can't even get it out of their country to, to you. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so there, these things happen uh, often uh, in a way in which the, the idea of a coffee roasting company having a relationship with a coffee producer is one that is important, very important but also very yeah. difficult to actually like realistically have. Yeah, certainly. The reason I have, I, I have this knowledge is because, you know, with Ricardo, yes, but you know, with the, the company that I worked for prior to this is that individual who was the head roaster and owner. Uh, he had 20 years of experience prior to meet him starting that business and had through working through those 20 years, developed relationships uh, that he can now uh, enjoy and 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 um, highlight uh, through a, a cup of coffee. It takes time. Um, yeah. But um, I mean, for us at Do South, we're fortunate because we have Ricardo as uh, the the literally one of the the most well-known coffee uh professionals that's globally uh out there um so um yeah it's it's we're fortunate and it's it's fun and it's also uh i know that i personally i'm very thankful that's awesome uh, for being able to to work with him on a day-to-day basis yeah Uh, i learned so much you know so one thing i i like about uh you guys so much is that on your Instagram, actually, you you post these highlights about uh, like the farms that you guys source from. Uh, yes. So it's always cool to get a a new coffee from you guys, or at this point, a coffee that I tried previously and enjoyed. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and then be able to go on your Instagram, or from having already gone on and looked and read about it, know exactly where that comes from, and and even like see photos of the farm and and the people who work there. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's that's really cool. Um, and I think it's it's so cool that you guys have that opportunity with Ally to have good relationships with uh coffee producing people. Yeah, no, it's 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 very important to acknowledge the work uh that's been done prior to us even receiving that coffee because without that work, then not, none of us are drinking coffee, right? So Um, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's very important that we're, we are acknowledging those relationships that we have and, and expressing our, our, our gratitude for them. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's part of it. It's, it's why I, I, I do the work that I do. Like why, why Mm -hmm. I continue to stay in this job is because, um, it's, it's so fulfilling and, and big and large and endless. And, um, there's never really a moment in which you, fully have it figured out. Um, and if you feel like you do, then, uh, you're probably falling behind. Yeah. 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 Uh, what is, what's your favorite origin if you had to pick one? Uh, yeah, I love, I actually love this question because there's a little bit of a joke, um, behind it for me. 
Um, so a, a good coffee professional, um, will, will not say, uh, that they have a specific favorite origin, um, because all origins offer unique experience, uh, unique experiences. And so it's, it's more, um, the idea of being able to enjoy those different nuances and things that each of these producers have, the work the producers have done, the, the terroir, the terrain that it comes from and, and the uniqueness of all those things to fully embrace all of those things, um, uh, is, is really the answer. Um, but then, uh, you know, I was, this is not at due South, but the job before I, you know, I would chat with the roaster and, uh, we would always uh, say the joke of like, okay, yeah, that's great and all. That's all like romantic and beautiful that you, the answer is that. And that's probably what a coffee professional should answer uh, to the, to the customer and all stuff. But it's like, okay, now, but you now have a gun to your head. What's your favorite origin? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what's your favorite origin? And so uh, I would have to say Kenya. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting is it changes over time. Um, yeah, there's things that just are constantly changing in the, the world of coffee that you get to a point where you've kind of experienced it all, um, in regards to like, what's out there to be able to taste, uh, you, you, you know, you have, there's a moment in which you have your first, uh, geisha variety, uh, mm-hmm. that, which is a really expensive variety of coffee that blows your mind. But then, you know, you kind of have a few more geishas over the course of the years and they seem to become less and less impressive. Um, huh. uh, just because you're, you're that, that initial wow factor isn't there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, and so what's exciting is that then you have like countries like Brazil that gets a, a, not a bad rap, but it always kind of is the underdog in the specialty coffee mm-hmm. world because it's, um, it's coffee profile is one that, um, doesn't have a, a huge highlight in acidity generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah. the, the coffee professional is always sort of trying to find the next level of acidity. That's going to just blow their minds. Um, you know, with some crazy fruits, floral experience that's going on there. But then you'll have someone who does something uh, unique and bizarre and experimental in Brazil. And you run across those sort of experiences and then it just sort of rocks your world and uh, doesn't, it it just, it humbles you and and doesn't, it, it puts you in a position in which it's just like, you're like, I, I guess I don't know as much as I thought I did when it comes to coffee uh and and what it's cap in what it's capable of yeah traditionally a lot of people think of uh like the brazilian uh origins as more like chocolatey and kind of that earthy yes. right yes. and then uh correct me if i think kenya is like kind of the blend of floral and citrus and fruity magicalness and yeah that it's, up there, it's up yeah it's up there with ethiopia generally yeah. the East, eastern african coffees just because you know those coffees are high grown coffees um they're up in you know the 2000 meters above sea level uh side of things which is going to be something that aids in in really boosting that coffee up into a uh, a high a coffee that will highlight uh acidity you know um 
So, um, yeah, Kenyans just, when they're good, they're just, they're just wild and crazy, uh, and, and, and beautiful yeah. and, and their structure that has backbone to them. And so, um, I just always like the best coffees I've had, um, and I've enjoyed have been from Kenya. Um, but kind of referencing, uh, the whole Brazil versus, uh, like, uh, Kenya or uh, Eastern Africa, Ethiopia, something like that, Rwanda, um, it's for us at do South, it's important for us to source coffees, uh, in a way in which we describe as full spectrum specialty, um, because, uh, we want to, con- we consider ourselves to be an inclusive coffee roasting company that doesn't sort of, mm-hmm. um, carve out a niche market that only buys super expensive, high scoring coffees, uh, to, to kind of present to the customer. Uh, we, we understand that what's out there is a large array of different, uh, coffee preferences. Not, not all coffee drinkers are, are wanting the same thing. Uh, but we, what we do know is that they, they lie on that spectrum of coffees that are, uh, lower in acidity and focus on sort of more, what we would describe as comforting, um, characteristics like Mm -hmm. chocolate and like nuts and stuff like that. Uh, but then you have coffees. Uh, on the other side that are wild and crazy and, and fruity and extreme and stuff like that, highlighting acidity. Um, we, we, uh, with ally, we can source that full spectrum in a way in which we can ask a couple questions to anyone who comes into the shop and point them to the coffee that we confidently know they will like. Um, mm-hmm. and we, I just, we want to make sure that we're offering someone for everyone. Um, for, I mean, for a number of reasons, but, um, also, you know, it's going to, if we have more people drinking our coffee, I guess, technically the way it works, we make more money. Yeah. 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 But no, it's more, it's, it's, that's, that's part of it, but it's also, um, why would we, why would we turn people away? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and also if we are, um, edu- you know, if we're wanting to educate people, uh, on what good coffee is. Um, there's just like anything in life. Uh, if you have information, it's not the best way to do it is not to slap them over the face with it. Um, yeah. but to sort of yeah. create a bridge, uh, in order for them to feel confident and comfortable to, to go across and meet that new information. Uh, and so we can do that with our sourcing through that spectrum. So they can, if they're, if they're in the Brazil realm and they don't like the acidity and the fruits characteristics in the coffee, we can have them start at that opposite side of the spectrum and then feel confident to maybe try the one right next to it. That kind of moves them in that direction of a higher quality, higher scoring coffee, or maybe yeah. they're just completely content with it. But we, we feel that that's the best strategy for moving people towards a, a more quality coffee drinking experience. Yeah. we Yeah. And we've, uh, you kind of mentioned that kind of, coffee approachability uh mentality that you guys have and kind of not oversimplifying it but kind of like making it um relatable and accessible to people and like uh Mm -hmm. i know we've touched on in this conversation um elevation briefly and soil quality and farming techniques and even like washing versus natural there's that too but that's a whole whole other thing um but like when we're talking about these like chocolatey or like nutty or floral or like red crisp apple um mm-hmm. like what what the heck does that even mean to people do you know what i mean 
Um, <laughs> yeah. It's such a foreign kind of yes. like how can coffee be chocolatey and then another coffee be very like blueberries and kind of jasmine. I don't know. How, how would you like here within this conversation uh, relate that to our kind of listener base? Like if they had that question, like how is that possible? Yeah. When I first started drinking coffee, it was like, I, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. How does a bean taste like a berry or, or what? Yeah. I like, think it's just weird. I think, I think that it's um, first understanding that coffee is a, a fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand that coffee is a fruit. Uh, and it, it's mm-hmm. the seed that they don't understand what they're like ingesting. Um, mm. And so, um, and also, historically, I mean, coffee has, I think, been over time getting a little bit lighter and lighter. It's swinging back uh, appropriately. Um, but at, for, at a time, it was all, a lot of it was just dark roast. And, the, and still, the majority of people consuming coffee would be considered a dark roast, right? So yeah. if we look simply into roasting, I mean, once you, once you take any coffee and you move it into a dark roast, you are removing things that make it exciting and and unique yeah those little nuances you turn it into one type of product which you could describe it as the dark roast so Mm -hmm. if people are used to that roast profile um then they're absolutely right in in thinking that you know for the most part coffee just tastes the same uh what's like how can i how can i experience this this and this but um, I mean, it just, it takes, I, I guess maybe, you know, interacting and, and engaging with a, um, a coffee roasting company that has this approach of, uh, I mean, the, the way we would describe our roasting approach is that we maximize the sweetness of coffee while maintaining the clarity of it, which is basically referencing the sugars that are inside that seed, bringing it to sort of this caramelized state, you know, first and foremost, making the coffee, the seed palatable. But then, yeah. then maximizing the sweetness by, you know, getting this caramelization to happen in the coffee, but then stopping so that we don't go so far as to remove the natural characteristics, the uniqueness of that coffee from it. Uh, so another way we would describe it is that sweetness is our foundation. Uh, it would be the stage that we create in which to allow the coffee to perform on. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, but there's, there's, I think the majority of people aren't drinking, uh, they're not drinking coffee with, from people that, with that approach. Um, mm. Yeah. It's kind of just this thing that um, like a lot of people just get coffee in, in the grocery store, whether that is kind of the quote specialty coffee that like Trader Joe's sells, you know? Yes. Um, but, but it still is kind of that, uh, usually not very fresh, usually on the darker side of things. Um, so it's not getting those, uh, those like those de- little details, um, within the flavor profile of the, the roast. Yes. Yeah. I, I hope that answered your question. Oh yeah. Definitely oh, yeah. It did. Um, what, what does a coffee roaster do? Like what is roasting? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it, it's the least amount of experience that I have. Um, I wish, I guess I wish I had Benjamin here to, uh, speak for, for what's going on there. But, um, so, you know, basically 
we're first and foremost we're trying to maximize the sweetness and maintain the clarity of the coffee but the no no coffee is the same all the coffees we're sourcing are from different uh areas they're different elevations they're uh they arrive with different uh slightly different moisture contents uh they have different densities to them um so when you apply heat to things that are different they're going to react different that's pretty straightforward um so maximizing the sweetness and maintaining the clarity of the coffee it it seems pretty straightforward and easy but it it requires you to uh essentially do what is known as profiling uh creating a profile of application of heat to the coffee in that roaster mm. uh that's unique to that specific coffee and then once you've created that profile which would be us considering that coffee to be we hit the mark on roasting it well then following continuing to repeat that profile uh over and over again to to obviously create a consistent product um so there's essentially two uh things going on with roasting is you're adjusting airflow for for heat application but also uh the gas uh the the temperature so like increasing the gas and the heat in the the drum the drum mm -hmm. uh, or or decreasing that heat uh there's also like uh, there's the idea of the conduction, uh, the heat application through conduction, which is the contact of the seed on the actual inner wall of the drum uh, that's oh. spinning around. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the convection through the airflow. Yeah. Um, are the two things, and that roaster is manipulating those two three two things over time, um, in order to um, basically make the t the coffee taste good. Um, it's, it's a, it's an insanely important part of the process of, yeah. of achieving a good cup of coffee. Um, I would say, uh, probably the most important, I mean, obviously it's hard to say it's not the most important because obviously first and foremost, it's gotta be, uh, well-produced, uh, from a, a, uh, origin, uh, standpoint. I mean, that's so, it's so important, but I would yeah. say that the least important thing if the coffee is roasted well, uh, is the actual brewing of the coffee, uh, mm. Mm. the, 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 the application of water and coffee. If, if the coffee is roasted well, um, then it makes it significantly easier to just simply get them together and separate them and, and, and you'll get something good out of it. Um, mm, in my, yeah. in my experience, that's what I've, I've noticed through tasting, uh, multiple different roasters, coffees, um, if it's if it's not roasted well, it's not gonna brew well. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's it, yeah. and and it's like you can you can try and squeeze something out of it that's um, enjoyable, but there's there's something about a well roasted coffee that just like is the best because it's so easy and it's the most delicious. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and so. from like from my my personal experiences with uh, I have some friends that they uh they started a coffee shop up here. It's called Union, um, uh -huh. and uh, they they uh have kind of like invited me a few times to come like watch a roast, but just like from personally seeing that and like being like in the room while coffee's being roasted, it's such a weird and so interesting intersection of of agriculture and technology and chemistry and mm -hmm. it's like this amalgamation of yeah. so many different areas um which i think is so cool yeah it can be overwhelming yeah um, yeah definitely. but but it's it never is not exciting yeah so 
the what what was the longest uh how do you go through a process of like creating and roasting a new coffee like how long does that typically take yeah um that's a good question so um you receive the coffee the new coffee and you've never roasted it before uh it's just a it's a Mm -hmm. it's a sort of a trial and error type situation and what that pattern is is that you you receive it you make based off prior experience let's say that the coffee is from colombia and it's from a it's you know the elevation range that it's from that Mm -hmm. it's in and that kind of communicates to you density and it's the processing is it natural or is it washed uh that if you have in your in your experience, you've roasted something similar, uh, your probably best bet is to jump off mm-hmm. of that profile with that new coffee, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you start there and you do your best and then you do what's known as cupping it. So I, you guys are familiar with cuppings, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the, the, yes, the industry standard for evaluating the flavors and aroma uh, of coffee. Uh, it's, it's, uh, used, um, globally as the, uh, a way to a tool for, for buying, for buying decisions, uh, large buying decisions in, in regards to coffee from origin. Mm. Uh, but also, uh, it's our, our form of QC our quality control, um, that we do. We actually do that every Friday, uh, for all of our batches of coffee to make sure that we're hitting the mark uh, on what's going out to our customers. So uh, we have to use that as well to profile our coffee. You know, you can't do any, you have to taste the coffee in order for it, for you to know what the next steps are. It, the, the cup of coffee yeah. in this case communicates to you what you've done wrong, right or wrong. Um, and so you, you run that first batch and you drop it out, you set up a cupping and you um, slurp the coffee and um, you listen to what that coffee is telling you through taste. And then that will be the way in which on the next round, you make those adjustments and see whether or not what you diagnosed as being the issue was correct or not. Um, So it's a little bit of a science experiment. You're just kind of trial error and, making adjustments here and there, learning along the way. And then uh, hopefully you're heading in the right direction. And then you, you land on a, a, a good profile for that coffee. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah. Jay kind of asked about the just uh, roasting side, but you guys, I feel like uh, in, within the community to us, especially, and, and some of our, our friends and listeners um, are kind of known for your, uh, your your crazy drinks you guys have really creative uh yeah yeah cool seasonal drinks that you guys put out every uh, new ones every couple months like what's the process like for for coming up with those yeah so um the way it works is uh that we every uh season um literally the first day of that season is the deadline for launching the new drinks so whatever Mm. like sometimes i have to google it uh, so I like, what's the first day of, what's the first day of summer? <laughs> so I know my deadline. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, and we try and create things that make sense for, uh, that season and it's for pure fun. Uh, we have hmm. 
we have um, this beverage coffee, but we have a have this coffee bar and we have other ingredients uh, and we can create experience for the guests uh, that are fun and unique and thought provoking or just pure delicious and just like a blissful experience that doesn't require any thinking. Um, but it start, you know, it helps with conversation. It, it brings people in who maybe not, um, not necessarily are, are coffee people, but then like they're, they're, they are maybe cocktail people. And then yeah. they, they kind of come in for this energy around this, specific i guess seasonal program uh that we have and um it's fun um the process of making the drinks themselves um so uh for me i um i've always enjoyed the cocktail culture the the mixology aspect of things um i don't i don't really um spend too much time in that and doing that um these days, I did when I was younger. Um, I lived in New York City uh, for two years, from 2008 to 2010. And it was the first time I, yeah. I, I walked into a place that had a mixologist that was just toiling over hmm. a mixture of different liquids in order to create a tasteful experience. Um, and it blew my mind that there was this individual that that, that was their job you know? Hmm, uh, yeah. And it was just so inspiring. Uh, and just through that inspiration, you know, took interest in it and tried all sorts of different things. And, and there's so many, so many good things out there, but then you, just like anything in life, you take interest in it, then you sort of, in a way, develop a skill, you're kind of capable of doing it, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you took interest in um, specialty coffee, and then you kind of fell into the world of, oh, wow, I can manually brew coffee. You took interest in it. And now you have a skill of being able to do it. It's similar with like cocktails. So I was, mm. I was for a time with friends, you know, at, at, at home, uh, we'll have, we, we have a get together and we would, uh, try different recipes on each, on each other. And, and, uh, I just learned how to mix things together, I guess. And so through that, then I, you know, when I stepped on, I wanted to make sure to have something that was uh, similar to that going on as well. Uh, and it's kind of leading a team of people and, and challenging. It's another way to ch and challenge my employees to think about coffee yeah. from a different angle, you know, For sure. uh, in order to mm -hmm. maybe open their minds and inspire them uh, in new in new ways, but also create um, fun little projects to to keep the morale high you know? Hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a, it's got a number of great things about it, the, the seasonal program, but in the end of the day, it's, it's just about, uh, uh, just fun, just having fun hmm. and, and tasting good things, uh, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I've been to my fair share of, uh, coffee shops and I don't think, I don't think I've ever been to one that puts as much of an emphasis on like the creative, use of coffee as a as an ingredient in it's what essentially is like you said a cocktail yeah um, which yeah. i i think that's that's really cool that you guys do that yeah i mean why not yeah you know, yeah um we i mean we uh, we feel confident with our our foundation of our you know the coffees that we have our our core line of single origins and in the blends that we have we're 
we're confident in those and, and we don't ever neglect those things because that's our foundation. So we're confident in that. And because we're confident in that, we can then build on top of that uh, with yeah. fun, new, exciting things to create new experiences with, with people that maybe bridge gaps and inspire people um, to, to try things um, that they may have never tried before. And maybe that ends up being a, a, a single origin coffee that opens their mind up to better quality coffee. So hmm, yeah. yeah, you never know, you know, so people are, are getting to places uh, in life through different channels. And so if you create an extra channel uh, that's out there, then you have the potential of getting people to that quality coffee um, more likely to get them there. Just another route. So. Yeah. I think, I think some, something to kind of get more to the abstract and even wrap up a little bit. Um, I think it's so interesting. And I think it's something y'all are uh, tapped into over at New South is like, you mentioned earlier, like the nuance of coffee, like everything about it makes it a different, like different taste, different sort of mouthfeel, all these different things. And um, it, it's so interesting. We uh, we're actually going to talk about this in the next coffee episode a little bit, but um, how n- coffee and people are all nuanced and like based on your background, it's like, uh, it, it, it's very interesting how they all kind of intersect in the coffee shop with coffee in that regard. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I get super emotional, uh, talking about th- that side of things, um, because it's, it's so, um, it's so special. Um, like, mm. yeah. And, and now more than ever, you know, is, you know, at do South that we're feeling, that's that's loss um because yeah i mean we we work so hard and we put this thing together and we all stuff and then there's there's very little to present to and to interact with and engage with and you realize you realize just how it's not even the importance of of people because of revenue but just because you have life inside of your building like on a day-to-day basis like there's just all sorts of different people in life happening and if there's at any given moment these just different interactions that are happening that can break up your day and make it exciting and, and challenging uh, it can challenge you it can inspire you in, in in ways that you didn't realize just because you know who, who knows who's going to show up uh in your coffee shop and, and chat you up you know um there's a cool uh there's a cool uh almost like ted talk type thing uh, it was a SEAA, an SEA symposium by uh, Peter. I always butcher his name. Is it Peter Giuliano or something like that? And mm-hmm. he, it's a the if you Google SEA uh, symposium Peter G, and um, con- I think it's connectivity is uh, would be another term that he does this lecture on how um, coffee. Oh, through history, the history of coffee shops were spaces that um, were places where people connected to uh, get things done, um, to, yeah. to create things. And so, you know, you had um, you had uh, people that would get together and drink, but wouldn't accomplish anything. I mean, it's just the kind of the nature of booze, I guess, is, yeah, is yeah. That, you know, you're not really accomplishing or getting anything done, but what you would find is that through history, 
there's benchmarks like the Enlightenment. Uh, there's the I think the Declaration of Independence. They were meeting up at a coffee shop and ingesting coffee uh, and while they yeah. were putting this together. And there's a number of different other things in history that are like these large moments that were actually around uh, people meeting up in uh, in coffee shops and how. Uh, he did. He went through and did some sort of like science experiment, or he worked with a um, um, someone who works on the brain to see how caffeine affects the brain, and how he noticed that the um, when you ingest coffee and the caffeine um, sets in, that it takes the different compartments of your brain that sort of allow you to talk and then move your hand around, um, or yeah, you can. You ever, you ever notice how you can easily walk to another room while talking to someone? It's pretty crazy if you think about it, but, uh, yeah, but, but basically what caffeine does is that it takes all those different compartments of your brain and it connects them together to focus on, on specific things. And so his whole thing is about how coffee creates connectivity, um, not only in like your brain, but then it's almost like your brain and the connectivity that's happening through the caffeine manifests connecting with people in the coffee shop. And then through Mm. interacting and connecting with people in coffee shops, you're brainstorming your ideas and you're sharing your thoughts together with that person, that coffee shop. And if that's happening uh, over and over again, then people are begin to create uh, and things are being created outside of this coffee, the coffee shop. So if a coffee shop's being done well, it's actually hubs and centers for creativity that uh, you may not even know is happening because people are connecting and sharing ideas. Um, so it's it's true. I've seen it happen uh, in in the best of coffee shops. You have people that you know weren't they didn't have any intention of meeting up and having a cup of coffee together, but they start drinking coffee, and next thing you know, they're chatting, and all of a sudden they're sharing ideas, and all of a sudden they're starting a business together. Uh, there, it's just it's yeah. wild things happen in, in the coffee shop and it's, it's, it's so special and it's just full of life. And um, it's just the other side of coffee. That's it's just a, this the thing with coffee. There's just so much going on around it uh, in the work in yeah. the work that's being done, but also you can look philosophically at things that are happening and it's, it's, it's mind blowing and it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that's really like near and dear to me and Luke, cause that's how we got started. But, um, I think that's a good place to wrap up, yep. um, pondering those things, go get a, uh, for you guys listening, go get a cup of coffee once things calm down or, you know, have a FaceTime call with one of your friends, yes. um, share ideas and start new things. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're, uh, next week going to actually touch on that next week's episode. Um, that kind of, exactly that uh coming together over coffee to get things done and and you know coffee as this catalyst for um community and new ideas um is such a big thing that's what that's what jay and i are trying to do with the podcast is is bring that atmosphere of the coffee shop specifically to the digital digital world um specifically with, yep. with podcasts um, so yeah, that's, that's really all. Thank you, Ryan, so much for, for taking the time and, and, uh, sitting down with us, uh, virtually. 
I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys in person soon, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Us, us as well. We and and well. also, also, uh, uh, thank, uh, thank you guys so much for all your support for uh, at Do South. Uh, it means oh, it means yeah. a lot. Um, I, I, we definitely feel the love from you guys, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we we love you yeah. guys. It's awesome. We feel yeah, it. We guys, feel it. Well, yeah, <laughs> good. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, I'll be there. Chi. Our, our.